Heavenly Features is brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions. Content warning for this episode, we do talk about internalised homophobia and mental health. Hello and welcome to Heavenly Features, the weekly podcast where your hosts Sophie and Kim. Hey, how's it going? Get together to talk about films. Each week we take it in turns to recommend a movie and this week it is my turn. Yes, it was. So what is it that you have chosen for us to watch this week? So uh, ahead of Asexual Awareness Day, which is on the 6th of April, I've chosen the 2017 film Princess Sid, written and directed by Stephen Cohn and starring Jesse Pinnock as Sid, Rebecca Spence as Aunt Miranda and Malik White as Katie. The film follows Sid, a teenage girl who goes to spend a few weeks with her estranged aunt in Chicago. When there, she learns more about her mum, who has died and we'll learn more about how that happened during the story um she develops a relationship with her aunt and starts a budding queer relationship with katie so the reason i chose this film in particular is because although the aunt character is not um canonically ace in that it's not expressed that that is how she identifies there is a lot in this story when um Sid and her aunt are having conversations where she has uh, she mentions about not wanting or not missing having um, relationships or having sex she's not interested in that and there's also like it's very heavily coded that she is asexual so I thought it would be a really interesting one to talk about this week ahead of Asexual Awareness Day because there's not a huge amount of asexual awareness out there um, and so of course I chose one of the few that is not 100% canon. So <laughs> I just went for the coded one instead because, you know, I'm difficult. In fairness, I, I love coded ones as well as yeah. like actual canon ones um, because obviously... Growing up, a lot of the time we had to just use the coded ones. Well, we're very so, used to that, so... Exactly. So for me, I'm like, oh yeah, I can totally suspend disbelief and see this as as canon, even though it's definitely just head canon. Mm, exactly. So I'd seen this film, um, I think maybe once or twice before, but had you seen this film before? No, this was my first, as much as it had been on my list, yet again, which I feel like I'm saying more and more, uh this was the first time that I'd seen it. Um, okay. And I am so fucking glad I had. Oh, now. good. I'm glad you yeah. liked it. I mean, Sid in a tux alone sold it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Even though she can be insufferable at times, she is quite oh, a good God. character. But in fairness, she is a teenager and teenagers are insufferable. Yeah. I think she, she one of her biggest faults as a character is that she says things before she um, thinks about it or she thinks about how the other person's going to receive it. And it comes across quite a few times that um, that she's just being flippant or saying something without considering the other person, and she kind of comes off as a bit of an ass. But you know, that's she what we all did, does. and we all did that as teenagers. So I can't really blame her too much. And I think I think a lot of people are still guilty of that to uh, as like fully formed adults. Yeah. I but the one thing I did like about her is that she did catch herself doing it quite a few times and at, apologize. At the beginning of the film less so, but later on I think as she develops a relationship with her aunt, she definitely um starts to understand that oh my god, what I just said was totally rude. I'm so sorry. Um yeah. because towards the beginning, like her aunt um 
she's not seen her aunt for many, many years because her aunt is related to her mum and her mum died in a, a very tragic way. It's explained during the film that her mum died as a result of her mentally unstable brother shooting her and then shooting uh, himself while she was while Sid was a child um, and was upstairs sleeping. So that's an incredibly traumatic thing that to happen to somebody. And as a result, she's not had the opportunity to see her aunt as maybe as often as she otherwise might have. Um, so them coming together uh, during the summer to spend a few weeks together that's when they really start to get to know each other. But initially, um, Sid is a little bit rude uh, and very kind of self-involved. For example, when she first arrives, her aunt gives her the bedroom that she's gonna stay in, which was also her mum's room. And she's like, oh, this is a great little reading nook and everything. She's just like, I don't read. And then even though knowing full well that reading and literature and writing is so important to her aunt because that is her bread and butter. Yeah, she's literally a writer. Exactly. Like... Exactly. So that is her, her, the aunt, for the aunt, that is her bread and butter. It is her job. Uh, she writes books, she writes novels. She also teaches about writing. Um, her whole life is absorbed by these stories and... Uh, it's incredibly important to her. And then they go and have lunch and uh, she's asking about this recent book that her aunt has um, written and her aunt's like, oh, I don't want to tell you too much. Um, kind of hinting like, in case you want to read it, I don't want to spoil it. And she just comes out really flatly saying, oh no, I won't read it. Just tell me everything. And so she, she doesn't have that subtlety or that uh, politeness at the very least to kind of acknowledge that she might be hurting someone's feelings. So they start their relationship off a little bit um, unstable at the beginning. I know, I, I was cringing so hard. I, it made me feel so uncomfortable every yeah. time Sid did something like that. I was like, oh. And then the poor aunt who was trying so hard. I know. Like she was trying so hard to relate and gain back this relationship that she missed out on because of just these tragic circumstances. Yeah. And then Sid would come out with these things. And you can see that Sid is also trying just in a very clumsy, like, I guess, teenage way. But I mean, I know teenagers who definitely don't act like that. Yeah. And it's just it's just it made me cringe so much every time, like, especially when it was like, well, I'm not going to read it anyway. I was like, oh, God, like, <laughs> do you know how much work goes into writing something well even if you're not going to read it don't say that to her face when she's clearly excited to tell you about it you know come exactly. on exactly the only thing that got me through those early scenes was seeing that fucking house oh my god that wraparound veranda oh my god i want it so much oh, um, honestly my dream is just to sit on a rocking chair on a wraparound veranda yeah and just like have a beer read a book it's one of the shittiest things about living in England is that we do not have the weather to warrant any verandas. So... <laughs> or the space, to be honest. Like, it, where yeah. we live, at least. Like, everything's a fucking, like, like semi-detached or, like, mid-terrace. <laughs> no. Like... Yeah, no, that fucking veranda. Absolutely stunning. And then the house in general. I just want that house. The only downside is when they're outside, you could tell they were... Um... Weirdly, it looked like they were on a, cor on a corner. And there was a road next to them, which it did not look like from the front of the house. But, so maybe they used a different house on the, on, 
on the exterior back uh, shots. But that's the only downside that you lost a bit of privacy there. But still, fucking want that house. It was delicious. I loved it. That kitchen? Yes. I mean, it's not quite up there with the Practical Magic house, but it's close. You know, it's giving me the same I vibes. Mean, nothing beats the Practical Magic house. The <laughs> tower and the margaritas with the aunts. And, and the plant look. And the plant room. I mean, all those plants would die under my care, but I love the idea of it. Yeah, in fairness, they would. They would definitely <laughs> die under your care. Yes, they would. <laughs> uh, I'm not responsible in any way. But, oh, just that veranda, the house full of bookshelves. Oh, it was beautiful. I loved it so much. Um, and it kind of made it a little bit of a, a softer entrance into the film, uh, regardless of Sid's very annoying behaviour. Um, particularly because she cuts people off a lot as well at the beginning. She's not... I quite like that she's not a particularly likeable character at many points throughout the story because she seemed more real and more rooted in reality because of it. I mean, yes, I think that all characters should show their flaws um, because that's what people are. So I, I hate it when people are written as these like perfect people. Mm. Um, so I do. I like that she had flaws, but it was it did make it hard to to watch. Yeah, when she just kept interrupting and kept just thinking that the only opinion that was correct is hers. And don't get me wrong. Everyone thinks their own opinion's correct. But she didn't even bother to take the time to listen to anyone else's. No, I think she was at that time in her life where she just is so absorbed with her own world and her own reality that she's not really necessarily paying attention to what other people have to say about it. Yeah, like I know I know everyone is guilty of, of that. And I definitely do everything I can to listen to other people's opinions. And... Like, I actively think about the fact that other people have different opinions and I actively have discussions with people where they might have a different opinion. And yeah. it was just... It was very clear that she did not give a shit. That no. anyone else could have a different point of view or a different say. Or even if they agreed, she didn't care enough really to listen to them. No, she's very much in her own world. And at the beginning of the... Uh film in particular she's very absorbed with keeping in touch with people from home she's always on her phone texting people supposedly um not really being involved in conversations and that changes as she starts to settle and become more integrated into her aunt's life and her aunt's friends and also when she kind of starts up this relationship with katie um but i like that her aunt right from the beginning is willing to step out of her comfort zone and try and meet Sid where she is by, you know, going in the sunbathing and doing things that she clearly has never done or hasn't done for such a long time, just as a way to try and connect and spend time with Sid in a way that Sid would want to spend that time. So I thought that was really sweet to see her making those efforts. Oh, I, I totally loved the aunt from the get-go. Like, the fact that she clearly was so desperate to have this relationship with yeah. her niece even though she like she could have probably and like made more of an effort throughout the years to involve herself in her life but obviously there's such traumatic circumstances around that and it's awkward um, as well because the surviving parent for Sid is the person that she is not related to the aunt is not related to 
So that probably yeah. does make it a little more complicated or challenging. Yeah, absolutely. But the the as soon as she gets that opportunity, you can see like I think she just plays the anxiety of it so well. Yeah. And then also the 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 want and need to have that relationship and build a relationship and try and get on her level in so many ways without losing herself. Well, I was about to say, she doesn't sacrifice who she is. She just tries to meet Sid where she is. Um, and it's a very distinct thing. She's still going to have her friends. She's still going to have her party. She's going to invite Sid to them, but she's going to be herself and she's not going to, you know dumb herself down or change her behavior because of Sid. But at the same time, and you're right, you can see though that anxiety there because she's not used to having a young person or a teenager coming and living in her house. And um, this is a, a relationship where I think they mentioned that Sid would have been um, eight or nine years old the last time she even came to Chicago. So there's clearly this this massive span of time in between um, them connecting again. And it's going to take time for them all to get used to that. But I really like that Miranda does not sacrifice or um, kind of give up anything about herself. She's like, if we're going to meet each other, we're going to meet each other at the same level. I'm going to show an interest in you. And hopefully at some point you'll show an interest in me and what's important to me. And that's where I think some of the most important conversations happen is when they are talking about how they're different and how both things are equally like respectful and justifiable and happy and acceptable. Um, we'll come to that speech later because it's a key speech that I want to talk about. But it's there's an amazing are, speech. I know, but there are. Um, it's just it's really. I think it's significant that nobody is having to hide a part of who they are, and and yeah. also like. Um, Leanne is so open because when they talk about, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, either, she's just like, cool. She's just like very open to everybody having whatever experience they want. And you can see that later in the group of friends that she has. She has friends from church. She has um, gay friends. She has old friends, young friends, friends, children. She has, you know, people from all different ethnicities and backgrounds. She's open to everybody and everybody's experiences to come together and kind of sharing these nice events that she has at her house. And she said to Sid, um, oh, your mum had a queer relationship and it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And I loved that. Um, like, what a perfect way to describe a relationship to someone. Like, it's just such a lovely thing to say. Yeah, this is just subtle um, acceptance of everything yeah. um, throughout. And it's not a big point. It's just like, oh, you know, when, when Sid mentions that she started this relationship with, with a girl. Um, I think it, it's just, yeah, she just kind of, you know, nonchalantly responds, oh, your mum had a relationship with a girl once. It was really beautiful. And that's it. That's all that needs to be said. And when Sid says about Katie being potentially misgendered on the roof, yeah, the aunt immediately says, oh, well, maybe she is a boy. Like... Just this yeah. immediate acceptance that gender is not binary, just like relationships aren't. Exactly. And just this open, loving, giving and receiving environment. I was just like, oh my fucking God, everyone should have someone in their life like that. Exactly. It was like, so I nice. I would love to be that for someone. 
Yeah, and what is interesting is um, I'm using um, like she, her pronouns for Katie because it's a female character, but Malik White, the actor, is non-binary, I believe. So um, it's interesting that, you know, somebody who was presenting in that way um, gets to have those kind of conversations being had about them as well in the movie. Um, obviously, they're playing a character, but um, it's just nice to have a bit more representation because um, Katie is definitely somebody who uh, who plays with gender in terms of her presentation as a character. Yeah. And so like... it, I think it kind of rooted it in the fact that you could tell that that was... Katie probably is not too far away from the actor's way of dressing either. There's an authenticity to that. Um, yeah. At least at that time, I'm not actually that aware of uh, Malik White's repertoire of, of films and TV stuff. I don't know how they present themselves then or now. Uh, but I just thought it was interesting that, that there was that it wasn't just somebody who was like, and oh, now I'm going to wear a plaid shirt. It was, <laughs> you know, somebody who maybe added a bit more authenticity to that role of somebody who um, clearly was kind of playing around with, with gender a little bit. As someone who plays around with gender a lot, uh, <laughs> a plaid shirt is great. Oh, just of course. Saying. But yeah, I did. I, I loved that. But also the fact that you can play around with gender and be misgendered at the yeah. same time like they when they're up on the roof mm. they immediately shut katie down i'm oh, sorry shut sid down when sid's about to say oh actually yeah you know they're not a boy because and and this there could be a multitude of reasons for that and it could be as simple as they want like she wanted to slow dance with sid I it think could so, be that yeah. simple but you could also look into it like I've had that so many times where people have gendered me as male and I've not wanted to get into the complexities of <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly like so it's easier like, just yes to some go days not it. other days not sure who knows exactly <laughs> like oh maybe today yes thank you um, do you want my life story like... I'm just trying to go to the toilet <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, like if you could just wait till I've finished peeing and then we'll discuss this <laughs> um, but like there's there's so much that could be taken from that and it, it if you're not someone who plays around with gender or who has any sort of gender dysphoria or any sort of non-binary, and I don't mean that as in being non-binary, I mean not the binary, like, if you don't have that fit into that male-female way of thinking, um, then you probably would just look at that scene as purely, oh, she wanted to dance with her. But there's so much more complexity that could be taken from that. Mm. And I just love that this film does this very subtle... You could just take everything at face value. Yeah. Nothing's ever made a big statement about it, really. It's just either, oh, okay, kind of comments. Uh, apart from, like, the speech later, but we'll get to that. Um, most of it is just like, oh, cool, you're having a relationship with uh, a girl. Excellent. Oh, um, Katie uh, is is mistaken for being a man. Cool. Um, whatever. You know, it's yeah. not really a big deal. And it's just like, um, 
just like just the way the like conversations about like the two uh women at her party who are i think married together or, or at least in yes, a relationship are, yeah. and uh it's just just you know blah you know it's almost um, boring how, how normal their conversations are because nothing is about them being different than anybody else in the room. They're just part of the group. Though, can I just say, at that party, I just love that all the queers found each other. <laughs> oh. It, so, this is... This it was is so true. <laughs> to one lie. of the most realistic portrayals <laughs> of a party where queer, pe- queer people are. Because if I go to a party... Or even, like, I've had it myself where I've started a new job and not known anyone Mm. and clocked a queer person and been like, (laughs) okay, here we go. Latching on. (laughs) Yeah. And out of everyone in that workplace, that's the person I'm still friends with. Because you do, you latch on, you gravitate. Because obviously not all queer people are the same, but you have a lot of shared experiences Mm. and there is safety in numbers. Um but I just I think with this film in general, the the representation that comes out in such a subtle way mm. is it's so beautiful and also so far removed from my own experience with regards to Sid, for example. And I think it's very much more of a modern day tale of of young queerness. Because there is not a hope in fucking hell that when I was younger I would have been that open and honest with anyone yes so it's very interesting because while sometimes she puts a foot in her mouth and words come out that are rude and perhaps not very caring she also just jumps into things and is just like oh i think i'm interested in having a relationship with a girl now oh and does that and the other which i think is much more of a modern day yeah telling of of queerness she doesn't feel like she has to hide anything with anyone, even her family, even her aunt. She's just like, yeah, sure, whatever, cool. Um, and like, even when she's asking questions to like the, the lesbian couple, I just love that they're just like, are you asking if we like dick? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like the I, gay I man's that. like, what's not to like about dick? <laughs> yeah. I just, I like, I loved that scene. I thought that was perfect. But I just, I just find it, I find it so fascinating to watch. And I watched a film recently as well, which I think I might do on this podcast at some point, so I won't go too far into it. But the, it's set nowadays, and it's it's teenagers nowadays, and the openness of their queer relationship is so, so different to mine. Like any time I was a kid and did anything remotely queer which obviously was pretty much every day of being a huge queer um, but like I would not have ever dreamt of telling an adult I remember the first adults I even came out to were two gay men and I nearly had a fucking heart attack going in to tell them yeah whereas the, in this and in in other things I've watched recently with the the younger generation and I'm not saying it's not still hard I am not saying that by any stretch of the imagination but it just seems such a different conversation and such a different way of being and I just it's, find it's, it fascinating to watch it's the sort of thing where it, it's important to acknowledge that it's still challenging and difficult for some people but you really do hope that what you see about it being easier for others is true that there yeah. are people who 
can just be like, you know what? Yes, this is me. And it's yeah. not a big deal. And they don't maybe have the threat of being kicked out or being, you know, losing friends or whatever it is um, that, you know, I'd say traditionally came along with with an outing. Um, well, that's, <laughs> I mean, if you look, if you look back throughout history, that our elders fought for us to have the rights we had and we have fought for the rights that younger people have. Yeah. So and they'll fight for the next generation. Better, exactly. But if it isn't getting better, then what the fuck are we fighting for? So, of like, of course, we want it to be better for the younger generations. That, but watching it, not only am I, like, oh my god, is this real life? Is this how people actually are? Like, can this be true? But I'm also so proud and so pleased to see, yeah, that that could be the case. Like, and I can't imagine that. I'm still to this day scared to come out to people. We're talking about asexual awareness in this podcast, but I'm not out to everybody. No, exactly. Because there are some people where it's just like, I wish that there was enough awareness that I don't have to sit down and educate your ass about everything and not have you ask inappropriate questions, which it's been my experience with most people that I have, not you, obviously. And, you know, there's a couple of where it hasn't been that way. But anybody that I have is always led, is often led to inappropriate questions that I don't feel comfortable asking, uh, being asked or, or having to answer. And so it's one of those things where you, you really do hope that it gets better. And there's a part of me, and I, I'm sure this is experience for some other people of our age or maybe older, and it feels wrong but I feel it's also justified that when you watch these things and see how for some people it's easier to have these conversations, there's a little bit of anger there that you didn't have that experience as well, or maybe still don't have that experience because of the way you were brought up and the things that hold you back. And it's one of those things where you're so joyful that other people can have that experience. There's a little bit of anger there as well that you can't have happened. It couldn't have happened for you. Oh, without a doubt and i think i think that's just a human experience to be honest i think that i think that's so first also firstly like i'm very glad that i was a safe space for you to come out to because the last thing i would want to do is ever not be a safe space and also people need to shut the fuck up asking questions google is a thing now folks like if you have a question that you think oh maybe this isn't appropriate google it first (laughs) um yeah. But representation fucking matters, and we need to see more. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> There's a like catchphrase. <laughs> um, we need to see more of every type of person, and it's so important for younger people to see themselves. It's important for all of us, but especially when you're being, you're in your formative years and you're figuring out who you are, and you're not seeing yourself represented at all. Whether that yeah. be because you're a lesbian or whether you're gender fluid or trans or asexual or black or whatever the fuck it is, you need to see yourself represented. Yeah, I think the important thing is that minorities need to be on screen. So that... And written by minorities. <laughs> yeah, the interesting thing is I couldn't find anything out about the writer and director of this um, film. To, I mean, maybe my research has not been very good. But to see whether they have any Google's a of... thing, so no. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should be asking inappropriate questions. But um, I couldn't see if uh, there was anything in there 
like out there about their queer experience or whether they were or not. But I must, I they must be aware because I'm getting to it. I'm getting to the speech that I wanted to talk about because not only does this speech talk about like being different and and the idea of not being interested in sex and everything, but and there's two occasions where that comes up. One is like an epic speech. Another one just kind of solidifies it later on with a level of acceptance from Sid. We'll talk about it. But when it happens, I couldn't help but notice that it happens right after um, the aunt is, she's clearing up after the party and she's just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to have to go back for a bit more cake. Now, if anybody knows anything about the asexual community, there is definitely the maybe a little bit overplayed joke about preferring cake to sex. So the fact that the speech comes directly after that occurrence, I couldn't help but think that that must be a nod of, oh, we know what we're doing here. We know that we're not saying it out loud and using the vocabulary to say this character is asexual, this character is ace, or somewhere on that spectrum. Um, but... I couldn't help but think it must have been a nod to, oh yeah, if you know, you know, and this is you, or this might represent you, or you might resonate with some of the feelings um, in the speech that is is about to be said. And the speech, I've said it a couple of times, but I haven't actually said what the speech was about. So I did actually write it down because I feel like it's something that, although she's, uh, you know, her interest is in reading and stuff, I think we can all identify that there are things in our lives that bring us just as much joy and pleasure as people might get from relationships or from sexual experiences. So uh, the quote is, I'm going to read at length. Um, <laughs> God, I'm going to try not to fuck it up. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no right. pressure. <laughs> Gosh, okay. So she says, uh, so what happens? She says, um, I'm going to eat this cake. And Sid mentions oh you know like offhand she's on her phone again and probably not thinking about what's being said and she says oh you know what if you didn't eat so much then perhaps you'd have more sex which first of all fat shaming never a great thing but it's a point where because Sid has asked a couple of invasive questions about her aunt's sex life before and I think this is the point where her aunt just feels like she has to just you know clarify something um because there's always a sense of judgment on Sid's part when she's asking this so she says I wish that I could share with you the utter joy it brings me to spend three hours on a Saturday afternoon reading Emerson or Melville or Virginia Woolf or discussing T.S. Eliot or James Baldwin with a dear friend until dawn the fulfillment that I get from going to church from reading theology from reading science from praying but I can't because I am me and you are you I can't relate to the total fulfillment that I get from these things. It's impossible. And I understand you're finding your own joy. You're engaging in your own stuff. That's great. And that's how it should be. And that's a beautiful thing. But hear me, it is not a handicap to have one thing, but not, but not another. To be one way and not another. We are different shapes and ways and our happiness is unique. There are no rules of balance. And when I first heard that, oh my God, it resonated so hard because there is in this society so much weight put on sexual relationships um, or relationships as a whole, um, that that is one of the most uh, significant and important things to have in, a in somebody's life. And for some people it is, and that's fantastic. But the fact that there are so many people who are out there going, that's great for you, it's not for me 
but it doesn't always come the other way around where people who do get fulfillment from sexual relation sex and relationships they don't always turn around and say that's great that you have your interests that mean so much to you and you don't want these other things that is something that i think a lot of ace people or people on the asexual spectrum um and perhaps you know people in other situations as well feel like they are not understood or respected for wanting a completely different life like that and having it laid out so clearly saying what you're doing in your life is beautiful and it's amazing and it works for you and I'm so happy for you but don't disrespect me because I don't want those things and I find joy in other things and perhaps I find joy in things in a way that you will never experience the same level of joy because we find joys in different ways in our lives and I've never heard it said so clearly like that in a film even when there have been canon asexual characters in other media in other books and films and tv shows i've never seen a speech like that i've never heard a speech like that where it just lays out the differences of experiences in such a beautiful way that summarizes exactly at least from my experience what it is like both to have those experiences where you are uh, you know you have such great joy in other things in life but are not interested in sex or sexual relationships but also to say that that's completely justifiable and I don't really need to defend myself to you and I'm happy for you to do whatever you want but don't turn around and judge me and it's just I've never seen that it's always been like oh that person just isn't interested in sex or it's okay if we're lucky it's a okay that's normal don't worry about it, you are valid, I love you, you're great, you just don't want sex, which is a great representation as well. But having someone fully explain the experience of, you know, maybe that's how people feel about their lives and that their lives are not any less than other people's because they don't have certain things in their lives or they value other things in their lives more. I've just never seen that in another film. And that's why, although this film is like a little indie, kind of film and it's maybe not seen by loads of people I think it's why certainly from what I've seen a lot of queer people have found it purely because it says things that they haven't maybe heard in other films and I would love if there are other films that have these kind of conversations I would love to see them this is the only literally the only film that I've seen that has a speech like this and it blew me away the first time I watched it and then every time I see or hear it I'm just like yes that exactly is something that needs to be seen on screen. And we need to have these conversations about how we can all experience the world in different ways and they are all valid. You know why? Representation matters. <laughs> <laughs> really, bitch? After that, I just laid my heart bare. Oh, honestly, like, I, I couldn't agree with you and the speech more. It just, it's an incredible speech. Like, to write a speech like that, holy shit yeah it's so incredible and it works on so many different levels obviously you've got the ace representation there which is just fair enough it might not be fucking canon it might not be said explicitly in but any with, other way but with the, with the speech, cake it has to be come on <laughs> exactly it fucking is but it also explains to sid not only is that is the fact that ace being ace is a fucking valid identity yeah. like you are valid it doesn't like 
sex doesn't fucking validate or invalidate anyone. Yeah. The fuck? Like, how has that become a thing in our society? It's such bullshit. But also, like, even if she didn't take away from that, the like, as in purely the characters, I don't mean us as, as a whole, but if Sid didn't take away from that, maybe that her aunt is ace, and just took away that everyone's life experience is valid, and mm. that the fact that you are judging people for not being exactly like you is bullshit, is so important. And it shows also the infighting within the community. Like, Sid is... She says that she's pan, basically, without using the word pan. Yeah. And yet can go ahead and judge other queer people. Yeah. Which is so true to life within the queer community. Like, there's so much infighting. And there shouldn't be. We're all fucking valid. We all deserve to have whatever fucking joy we find in whatever we find. Yeah. And also this heteronormative bullshit that we put on ourselves and society puts on us that we have to find a partner, one partner and have children. And that's the only way we can be valid within society and happy is just the biggest load of crap. Oh, like, definitely. And it forces people, even heterosexual people watching this should watch this and be like, oh, I shouldn't be forced to fit into this societal, like, prison where I should stay with the person I've chosen to be with when it's not right for me. Or I should raise children when I don't want them. Or And I, by that, I'm not saying abandon your children, just to clarify. No, but, <laughs> but I, think, like... I think a lot of, like, of course, lots of people want exactly what they get out of life. And I'm so happy for those people. Absolutely. Um, and that might include children. It might include um, sexual relationships or relationships in general. But the fact that there are people who don't want that is just—it's that's very rarely ever brought up as something that is not a problem. Like, yeah. oh, that person, there's something wrong with them. They're a bit weird. They're a bit, you know, hard to get along with. They are a bit of a creep. They're a bit strange, you know. There's something wrong with them. They need to check their hormones out. They need to go and see therapy. They just haven't met the right person yet. These, if you are asexual or anywhere on the spectrum, you will have heard these things and it's fucking ridiculous. You know, the idea that people don't understand themselves well enough to know what they want and what they don't want. Um, it's like if you turned around and said to somebody, you know, oh, you want children, oh, you're heterosexual, oh, you're gay, or oh, there's something wrong with you then, or oh, what is that? Maybe you need to go see a doctor. And don't get me wrong, that has happened in the past for particularly like for gay people, where, you know, it has been considered a mental disorder to be gay, which it no longer is, and a mental disorder to be trans, which it no longer is considered, thank fuck. But there are still people in the technically, community... Technically it's not, but people still do think that, but technically it's not like considered that but there are still people who think that it is well technically it's not um considered a mental disorder but some people think it is yes yes oh 100 percent. but medically there is nothing wrong with trans people with gay people there is nothing wrong with being those identities you know medically in in uh medical books it is not considered a disorder and yes. yet there are still areas of the queer community um i'm speaking from my own personal uh, you know personal experience for asexuality but i'm sure elsewhere it, it is you know it fits in there as well that people still think there's something wrong with you and when that comes from the queer community as well that just is like two stabs going in instead of just one 
because it's like oh but people said that maybe about you or, or how you identify in the past how can you turn around and say that to other people that are meant to be part of your community or the very least just need a fucking break you know why are you turning around and saying there's something medically wrong with them when they know who they are and they're happy perhaps with they who hopefully they're happy with who they are they're getting what they want out of life and people can't let people just live they want to turn around and say that there's something wrong with them and that you can't say that doesn't get internalized and that doesn't stop people from wanting to be who they are or stop people from wanting to be open about who they are because it does or even realizing who they are exactly like i I, I know I, i i'm not ace so i can't talk on this point from an ace point of view but from like someone who doesn't fit in with any sort of gender binary and who mm. is definitely not heterosexual in any way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I grew up with such internalized homophobia. Exactly. Like, I would have laid my life down with, uh, like within a split second for any other queer person. Yeah. But when it came to me, I had this such internalized homophobia and then, I also didn't realize my gender stuff until I was way older because I didn't see it. And because when I did see it, there was so many turfs or yeah. you you are being like killed for being in any way trans. And even now to this day, I, I have this thing in me where I'm like, I'm still figuring out my gender, but like it, when I'm like, oh, okay, I think I'm probably gender fluid. And then I'm like, oh, but is that valid? Because you know what? Like, what if I don't ever get top surgery? Or what if I do? What if I want to grow a beard? What if I don't? Like, there's this, oh, if I don't fit in with the binary there, I'm not a valid human. And it's the same then from what I've spoken to you about and from what I've researched myself and from what I know about ace people is where society tells you you should want... Certain things. ...to have sex and you should want to have this relationship. And... Also, people don't understand that being ace is a spectrum. Yes, there's different levels. Some people are completely sex repulsed. Other people have sex, but they don't have the sexual desire um, either all the time or at all. But they might still have sex because maybe they want to have sex with their partner. You know, there's lots of variations of of how people, you know, experience it. Um, I mean, talking about realising things later, I didn't realise till I was like, 27 and I always joke with you because technically I came across the word asexual when I was 26 and I kind of procrastinated for a year (laughs) I literally sent my I saw it in like an article and I literally sent myself an email with the word asexual in it as like a note to self look at this later look it up and I didn't for about a year so that's kind of on me in all fairness but 27 I'm now 33 and you know that's a long period of your life you've gone through all of puberty where everything is sex 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 you then go through your early adult years. Again, everything is sex, sex, sex. Going to uni, having to, um, you know, be asked all the time about whether you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever it is, you know. It's it, every single time and not really knowing how to answer stuff. You know, the amount of times going through going, oh, I should probably get out there dating. And then just like genuinely it doesn't cross your mind and it never happens. Like, you never sign up for the apps because you think, I probably should get out there and maybe try dating. Maybe I will meet somebody. And then it, you never think, you just don't even think of it. 
because it's it's that insignificant to you perhaps certainly in my experience it was I would just be like oh shit I never did that did I because I generally didn't want to I didn't have that desire to do it if I'd wanted to I would have signed up for things you know I would or I would have gone out and met people in with that idea in mind but I actually didn't care that much I was actually happy just doing tinkering around and doing whatever I was doing you know doing all my little projects or reading books or watching films or hanging out with friends, that was fulfilling enough for me. That was completely fine. And I wasn't actually missing out on stuff. I just felt compelled that I should be on some quest to find a partner because that's what society tells you. And, if, is, and then when you so don't true. want it, then when you don't want it, you're thinking, well, maybe there's something wrong with me. And you internalise that yourself. So you have other people potentially telling you there's something wrong with you. And then you have yourself going, yeah, maybe there is something wrong with me. And it takes a long yeah. time to get to a point where you're like, actually, there isn't. I think this this is what I am. But that's not everything because even five years later, you know, I'm like 98% happy with that. There's 2% of, of me that will always just be like, maybe I won't tell people though, or maybe I won't be as open about this with everybody. And maybe I'm not quite as proud as I should be or could be because there's always that self-doubt and that probably comes from discovering things so much later. I'm so happy that I hear young people talking about what asexuality is, because I had no idea it even existed. It was gay, yeah. bi, or straight when I was younger. That was it, and transsexual and transvestite. Those were like the five terms that I knew about you know, people um, in terms of gender and sexuality. That is literally all I yeah. knew um growing up partly because we grew up in time in the uk where you weren't allowed to be taught about this in school but also even having a gay best friend <laughs> even yeah, having yeah. bisexual best friends you know watching things like the l word which i mean there's so much problematic shit in there but you know even watching things and watching queer films when i was younger i still didn't see anything that was me and it's confusing as fuck this is the the issue that like I didn't see anything that was me, but at least I had some representation out there. Well, the confusing like... the confusing thing for me is because I would identify as queer ace because um, I'm definitely not straight. But then the confusing thing... <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to judge or be prejudiced, but I'm definitely not straight. Um, but for me, I'm not queer because I'm ace. I'm queer because I am interested in men and women usually androgynous men and <laughs> androgynous women to be honest mainly um androgyny is my thing mostly yes, yes but it's it more is. of an but then it's like when you start unpicking it it's like oh that's probably more of an aesthetic attraction and an attitude attraction that i like but i actually don't want to do anything more per se but sometimes i'm like oh that is sexy and i do have a libido because i'm not broken but <laughs> it's just it's so confusing when you've got all of that going on and you're trying to identify is that sexual attraction is that just a static attraction what's going on here <laughs> it's so hard to know what the fuck and then when you don't know um for so long you don't know that there is something that could be you potentially out there it's fucking hard to know and i mean we have talked many times on this uh podcast about mental health problems as children and young adults um and adults and <laughs> it's i cannot separate my experiences with my sexuality um i can't separate that from the fact that i've had mental health problems 100 percent. i'm not sure it was always uh all centered on those issues 
but I can't um, escape the fact that feeling lost, feeling broken, not understanding things, fuck yes, that went into my anxiety and my depression and having like a full-blown mental breakdown at one point in my life. A hundred percent that was part of it. I see, for me, I've gone through, mine, mine goes up and down. I've always had terrible mental health. <laughs> like... I'm just chemically imbalanced. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, I feel like I won a prize. Um, You've but been I consistent. Find... <laughs> I really have. Um, but I do have times where if I, like, I know for a fact when I was going through not realising, and I was so young when I realised I liked women. Mm. And then I got, I went through this confusing stage of like, oh, should I tell anyone or all of the normal crap like that? And it obviously affected my mental health. And then I went through a lot of times through my life of being like, am I a boy? Because I always identified with a boy as, as growing up. And anytime I saw like free, when I watched Free Willy, I wanted to be Jesse. When I watched like Homeward Bound, I wanted to either be Shadow because he was the best dog or I wanted to be the little boy that lost Shadow because he was a boy. And then I justified that to myself for so long, being like, oh no, it's just because boy, the boy always gets the girl and you want the girl. Yeah. And I, I so you, you go through all of this because there's not representation out there. So you, you justify it all to yourself. And I know from me pushing that down for so long, it's affected my mental health now as an adult. And yeah. I've gone through phases in the last couple of years where my mental health has been so bad because of that and because I'm trying to figure out what the fuck gender I am. Yeah. And it's so fucking confusing. And that and then there's not really that much representation out there that feels like me. Yeah. And then on top of that I've also just got terrible mental health. So then like I can be going through like a really bad depressive episode or really bad anxiety. And it has nothing to do with my gender necessarily, but it's also always underlying that that is also well, because caused it in the past and it's it's embedded in me yeah there's just so much like self-doubt that comes from um and, and like self-questioning that comes from these parts of ourselves that we either find difficult to understand or that we don't see represented anywhere else and therefore you know don't know how to categorize or pinpoint um yeah and and, and understand what that is and that 100 percent that goes with you wherever you go once you've experienced it um, you know, and, and it's not just like, I would imagine for you growing up as, as you identified then certainly as, as a lesbian, yes, not seeing anything that was particularly, uh, even like advertised to you. Certainly I know, and this is certainly something I experienced now and a lot of ace people experience it. You can't deny that the world is run on selling sex a lot of the time. And it is, yeah. can be incredibly disorientating and sometimes uncomfortable having that thrown in your face all the time when it's not something you're interested in. And I'm not a prude and I'm not going to be like, oh, close my eyes, it's a sex scene. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, being bombarded with, with something that is so maybe alien to your experience or something you're not interested in. And for some people, genuinely um is is quite maybe traumatizing or, or uh, is unsettling for them um i'm not quite that bad i'm I'm not well i'm not sex repulsed per se i just don't i'm not really interested in myself being involved in anything um but i'm not repulsed by other people um and i'm very sex positive about other people doing whatever they want as long as it's consensual 
but I just that uh, is the key the key bit there the key word the key central yeah <laughs> um, yeah but I think that um, it it can't it's it's a very odd experience living in a world where everything is sold to you by sex even yogurt is sold to you by sex and it's yep. very odd when it's not something that you relate to in any form and I'm sure it's weird for some straight people and some gay people and everything. Because sometimes the adverts are like, really, that's how you're selling it? But even like the fact that like nowadays, even still, like it's all nearly, nearly always it's heterosexual sex that's being sold. Or the yeah. image of what is attractive um, in a heterosexual relationship. You know, you don't really see like, I don't know, maybe a, perhaps a more butch woman, uh, woman, you know, smearing yogurt on her face and going, oh, love yogurt. You don't see that. It's always somebody who is like stereotypically hot to a, a stereotypically heterosexual man. And yes. it's, I mean, that's a lot of sexism and all sorts of other issues going on there. But so it must be like interesting uh, and to also, I, I guess there's a shared experience there, perhaps, that not, every, you know, there's a lot of things that are, are advertised in, in about sex that is not relatable to a lot of gay people, I would imagine, as well. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe that represents trans people or anything, you know, non-binary people and different ways that people um, represent. I mean, I know that, like, uh, the like gay men community within their own community, very good at selling sex um, <laughs> to their own community. <laughs> They've kind of got it's, that on key. It's but they have they've nailed it. Like they really it's have. impressive um, and I love it. I'm yeah, all on board for it. Exactly. But <laughs> I would say a lot of other communities don't have that same experience. There's this need that is shown shown in this film and I've witnessed it in real life where people are like oh you have to be in a relationship to be happy. You have to and like when they said oh how long has it been since you've had sex and she was like oh 5 years. Yeah, and there was that shock of like, oh my god, how are you alive? Like, I think it's really interesting that they've the, the conversations about sex are being had between a teenager. So I think she went to be about sixteen or seventeen years old, um, a teenager, and then a woman in what her at least her forties, so an older person, a teenager, for a lot of teenagers anyway, all they're thinking about is sex at that time in their life. Or it's a, it's a huge thing that, that they're thinking of. They want relationships, they want sex, they want to try new things. For a lot of teenagers, obviously I'm ace, so I'm not going to say all teenagers, um, but for a lot of um, teenagers, that is what they are thinking about a lot of the time because they've got all these hormones and they want to do something about it and they want to try different things. And so I think that somebody who's maybe so hypersexual in that moment, asking those questions to someone who is so disinterested in that part of, life or that experience I think that shows the contrast even more I thought it was a really interesting choice that they because they could have just had you know a, a, you know what's her name Miranda is it I should know these things I forget everybody's name though um <laughs> oh dear um yeah Miranda uh she it could just be you know her having a conversation with a friend who's a similar age or something but the fact that it is somebody who is in a time of life where so many people are more hypersexual I think it makes a more interesting contrast between the two characters and perhaps justifies why these conversations are happening coming up in the first place it's just that Sid doesn't have any tact so <laughs> um, yeah. she doesn't really ask things in a way that are respectful um, or that acknowledges different people's experiences and wants in life 
like I was out in school and so got a lot of shit for that but at least I was out so people weren't like I mean I always got the oh you don't ever want to have sex with a boy or you don't want to do this with a boy or whatever it was but at least they could wrap their heads around oh but you want to do that with a girl yes whereas I was like I can't imagine that for from an ace point of view where they're like because you weren't out in any way shape or form in school I was just a very supportive friend to you and I would watch the L word with you (laughs) Uh, but i and i never like it was it's very different between between us because i never i never was the sort of person i hope i wasn't i don't remember ever being the sort of person who tried to force anyone to do things that they weren't comfortable with or well we never really weirdly like although we were very um supportive of each other i don't think i ever really asked you about any relationships or anything probably because i was disinterested if i'm going to be completely honest not to do with you i'm interested in you and your life but just like I'm not interested in sex. I'm not really interested in hearing about other people's sex. So I never asked. <laughs> yeah. So it just never really came up. Uh, but it very much helped the fact that I really like reading. And so people sometimes mistook me for a quiet person. Because when those co- conversations came up, I would just be very quiet. And people didn't really prod too much. I was quite lucky in that sense. But it didn't, ha- it didn't yeah. change the alienation that you feel in those moments. Oh, and I, I can totally, totally, uh, like, understand <laughs> the, the alienation side of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think it's, I think it's fascinating how this film really does show all of the different aspects and, and sides to the different spectrum of sexuality. And what I really liked is how the film kind of wraps up. Um, because Sid, first of all, she has come to respect her aunt so much more. Yes. By the time she's leaving. Um, and then, uh, because their relationship has developed and grown, she goes and supports her aunt at um, this literary event that she's at, where she's doing, uh, she's on stage and people are asking questions about her books and stuff. Um, so you can already see it just in that, uh, the fact that Sid is, is attending this event, that she has grown so much more and their relationship has developed and blossomed so much more. But then she gets up to ask a question and she asks, what is, what brings the greatest pleasure to you in life? I'm, I'm paraphrasing that. And Miranda just says, cake. And first of all, if that is, again, if that is not an ace reference, I don't know what fucking is. But also there's like this look between them, this understanding of mutual respect. Um, and it's just like, that's all I need to say. That's who I am. And they're both respecting each other. And it kind of sums up all of these, this, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say turmoil, but this, this misunderstanding um, that they've had and this kind of almost like somewhat fight that they've had trying to, you know, stand their ground about who they are as people and the fact that they can be, um, you know, enjoying life and doing great things, but having very different experiences of life because they have very different interests. And it just summed up so beautifully and so succinctly, just like, you know what my greatest pleasure is? Just cake. Just something simple like that, which also is clearly an asexual thing. <laughs> I, I loved that. Scene. It had to I be. Loved, I loved the the nod between the two of them and just yeah it was it was so beautifully done and so simple so simple it just kind of drew a close to 
that argument that had started yeah. with her eating cake and then delivering that beautiful speech and then um being summed up by yeah this is who i am and then and sid being like it is who you are that's cool and i the other thing i loved about this is is the wrap up at the end where miranda goes to the beach and is trying these new things that sid did with her same as bringing her out of her comfort zone with the the bathing suit and everything and yeah she she opens her world she opens her her back up to enjoying life in many different ways yeah and and i thought that was beautiful but also as someone who has like nephews and nieces who who are grown up uh the the phone call between them where Miranda says oh I love you and Sid says it back yeah just melted me like I because I remember the first time my oldest nephew as an adult said that to me mm. um and obviously like we grew up together I lived with him for a while like we've got such a close relationship um same with all of my nephews and nieces but like the first time as an adult he said that to me like I and it was through text message. It wasn't on the phone. And I texted him, and we were having a conversation. I texted him, I, "Oh, I love you. Uh, talk to you soon." And he texts back, "I love you." And I just bawled my eyes out because it's so meaningful. And I so I just immediately then seeing that moment with Miranda just was like, "Oh, like well, it, that joy that she must feel." It was really nice because you could also see that Sid had probably been wanting an older woman that's related to her like an uh, ideally it would have been her mum you know the person that would be calling and saying that they love her and they want this relationship with her her mum's not around anymore so the fact that she's built this relationship with her aunt you can see that's meant a lot to her um so I think it was just again it was a nice way of like wrapping that up um I know I certainly am probably going to be that asexual aunt that's who i'm going to be i already have a niece i'm going to have a nephew soon you know i'm going to be that person who probably will have to have at some point a relationship uh a relationship, uh conversation explaining the fact of why i probably live a very different life to what they see from other people um so that's going to be interesting but i do hope that it can be as mutually respectful as the one that it grows to be in this um so i mean just show them this yeah and then just sit there eating cake as you're watching it like get the hint (laughs) i was just like really surprised when i first saw this it's not a big spectacular film in the way that it uh it's very subtle and and it's just very almost mundane in in the storyline is the storyline is not really that important in terms of what they do it's about the conversations that are being had throughout it which is always a preference for me. I very much like kind of um, character pieces like that. But summing up, the reason I chose this is because of that monologue. Is be- well, it's not really a monologue. Because of that speech that she gives. Um, I've never seen something be that overt and that clear about the experiences that some people on the asexual spectrum have and, sh- and saying that it's completely fine and justifiable to not be interested in sex like that. And I think that's just incredibly validating. And it, because it is an indie film, I really hope that talking about it here might just get a, at least one or two other people just to see a film that maybe they wouldn't have seen or heard of before. Um, because I really I mean, do... it got me to. 
Exactly. Well, there we go. I'm one down. Um, yeah. And Bear watched it with me. So. Oh, well, there we go. We've got two. Um, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm really, uh, yeah, excited that we got to watch this. I'm excited that um, I managed to get you to watch it because we don't always have incredibly deep conversations. Uh, we do have deep conversations, but not necessarily about this sort of thing all the time. And uh, I think it was a way to maybe open up a conversation between us as well. So it was a nice opportunity to kind of do that as well. Well, I think I think that it's one of those things, like I think I've always been a, mo- a bit more open than you talking about uh, personal things. Sure, yeah. And so I love that this film gave you the opportunity to be as open with me as I probably am with you. Yeah. No, that's really... I, I love that. I think that's. Yeah. I think it's important, and I hope to God that it fucking not that I believe in God. I hope that it <laughs> helps someone else to maybe have a conversation with someone else. I hope and, so. Like, or just even if it's just as accept themselves. Um, I think it's such a, a important thing. <laughs> and I, I can't believe I'm about to say this again. But, but representation matters and the fact that you are seeing yourself or something that's similar to you on screen that invokes a conversation yeah is it's so important. fucking important and it's validating and it's what's needed um and it's nice that if i felt like i wanted to come out to somebody and i didn't think they were going to understand what asexuality was that this could be a film that i could rec- like recommend to them to maybe show them a level of understanding that maybe I won't be able to articulate or feel comfortable yeah. talking about. Uh, because as I said, I am quite, I'm not like a shut down person, but you wear your heart on your sleeve a lot more than I do. <laughs> and <Yes>. so <laughs> I often feel quite um, awkward to, when it comes to really, really kind of personal stuff. So I mean, something... I, I make you awkward so often just oh, being open and talking like myself, like anytime I show too much emotion or anything. So the fact yeah. that, it's the other way round where you can then open up a bit is incredible. Well, it's nice that you can just say, maybe watch this film because there's a character in here who does a really good job of explaining what my experiences are, perhaps. It's just another way of getting across a message or maybe open, even if you weren't asexual, just to open people's eyes to different people's life experiences. I think it's really valid for that point. And I would love to see more films that, you know, have these kind of conversations in it as openly, as honestly as this film seems to. So Absolutely. I'm really glad we got to talk about this uh, film this week. But next week, it's your choice. So what are you going to choose next week for us to watch? I have gone for a very heteronormative film. You really have. <laughs> yeah. So it's, but it's a film that I think is just beautiful and, and so well done and also has two incredible, incredible lead actors in it so i've chose uh i've chosen to do a marriage story um mm. with adam driver and scarlett johansson who i mean i would watch scarlett johansson do anything i've been a huge fan of her since the horse whisperer so <laughs> so you've just made it a little less heterosexual just from your own experience of watching oh you've gave it up nothing, already as i've said there is nothing i do that is heterosexual <laughs> so yeah in all so, fairness representation matters and that includes for the heterosexuals they just get more of it than the most of us absolutely and i enjoy (laughs) some of their stuff (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed this film i thought it was very well done i think it's 
please do make sure to uh, rate, review and subscribe. That really helps us to kind of get the word out there and improve our figures. So we would really love it. And we'd love to get to know you guys a bit better as well. So do follow us on Instagram at Heavenly Features Pod. And happy Asexual Awareness Week. Uh, yes. To everyone, but mainly to you, so. Thanks. It's on the 6th of April. So hopefully everyone can celebrate and raise a bit more awareness um, that asexuality is a thing and it is a spectrum. So uh, if you are ace, have a great day. (gasps) Yes. Oh my God. You know, birthdays, of course you need cake for birthdays, but cake must be a feature of asexual awareness day, of course. hundred percent. Oh, I'm looking Is it day or week? It's a day, I think. I think there's a week later in the year. Don't worry, I've got to find another film. Awesome. Okay, well then happy asexual (laughs) awareness day and I'll buy your cake for that. And then when it is the week, I guess we'll need to get a bigger cake. Or cupcakes, one for each day. I mean, or just seven cakes i mean it might be it might be a little (laughs) bit much but we'll 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 make it work we'll make it work cool anyway bye (laughs) bye thank you for listening to this week's podcast please remember to rate review and subscribe and you can follow us on instagram at heavenly features pod you can also email us at heavenly features pod at gmail.com and you can also find us at 18maidenlane.com thanks for listening bye This podcast was brought to you by 18 Maiden Lane Productions.